Thanks for joining us for another intriguing edition of the Stack Pack. Perhaps you can help solve a mystery. <laughs> I just got your uh, your text message, David. The Let's Rock. Let's Rock. <laughs> yeah. Let's Rock. What's up, guys? Uh, Stack Pack for another week. Stack Pack for another week. Hanging out here with my buddies. Um, I'm David Howell, and here with uh, Road underscore Dan, Mr. Daniel Benavides. Um, who is in the middle of a beer sip. A sip. Having a sip. What's up, Eli? How's it going? It was, it was more like a swig. I'm doing good. It was so not a swig. It was a swift, it was a swift swig. Was it a sip or a swift Oop. swig? It was a gulp. Anyway. Um, yeah, we're here. We're going to talk about Unsolved Mysteries. What's new? Oh, yeah. Talking about sadness. Talking about... Uh, um... Murder, some unsolved stuff. That this episode is huge. We got to fucking just like, we got to try to be a little bit uh, on um, point today because there's like a shit ton of yeah. shit. Yeah, four stories in a long update. Yeah, I'm just going to say yeah. the word orphan train and we're moving on. <laughs> but you said it once. It, you said you were only going to say it once. That was your Okay, one I'll do it twice <laughs> when it comes up and that's it and we'll move on. Look, yeah, find it if you want. Yeah, actually, I, I got the case. It's a season season one episode episode fifteen, for those of you that want to go back and revisit that little gem of a sad story, mm, with that really sappy nineties like feel good music. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's okay. all there. It's all yeah, it's our, all part of it. One of our early episodes, so uh, give us some grace. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little <laughs> bit more rough around the edges. Um, John Mooney, aka John Mahoney. A.K.A. the dad on Frasier, who, who, who I always is, bring who up. Who was John Mooney, though? John Mooney was the guy who always did yeah, this. Well, no, he <laughs> he was was he's guy. a true crime. He's from an episode the, of this show. The restaurant. Yeah, the restaurant guy. Oh, the, the one P- who killed T.K. Hardy. Yeah, yeah. T.K. He Hardy. killed T.K. Hardy. Yes. And I used to get him mixed up with John Mahoney from Frasier, who we, apparently we always talk about Frasier <laughs> on this show for some reason. Yeah, or rest he, in peace, John Mahoney. All right. So we're at Unsolved Mysteries <laughs> podcast um we are i forgot this first case is a missing persons uh case and we're going to be talking about dale kurt kurtz tetter yeah kurtzstetter kurtzstetter mr kurtzstetter he uh he looked like he looked like the sweetest old man wouldn't hurt a fly totally um and he lived in Pennsylvania, and he worked um, for 27 years at a, gla- a corn at the Corning Glass Works plant. I guess they make glass, right? Yeah, they make like scientific glass, like fiber optics and Corning glass. They built a 200 inch uh, reflector for a telescope in California, like stuff like that. Oh, so it's a real. That, it's still there. Oh. <clears throat> Is that what they did? Yeah, Corning. Um, so he was the night, uh, security guard and he was pretty old too. I don't know how much he could 50. do. 50 uh, years old. Uh, actually, he did, he looked a little older than 50, but I guess yeah, that's he a, looked way older than 50. That's a hard, uh, uh, late eighties, 50, maybe. I don't know. Well, I, I have a theory for his age, but I'll tell you when we get there. All right. So 11 PM, he begins his night shift as a security guy. And, um, that night he was never seen again. And so another thing that went missing was a fortune of platinum and pipe. 
Fortune. A fortune Quarter. of platinum and pipe. I don't think. Yeah, that's what I wrote down. I don't think those are my words. Platinum pipe. Of platinum and pipe, laying down the pipe. Now and then, after they tell, they drop this crazy bombshell. They do the typical unsolved mysteries thing where they tell us about his life. He's divorced right. ten years, and his teen son still lived with him. He had four daughters that still lived pretty close by, and they seem to talk pretty highly of him. His son is a creep. Yeah, to the doofy mag. ass, God. doofy ass dude. That's what I put down. Doofy. He's a doofy <laughs> ass dude. <laughs> uh, Five bucks. His son did it. I know. His son knows. Son did it. His son is just has this weird smile on his face the whole time. Yeah. It seems like disconcerting. Seems like his dad got away this. with something and he's just kind of smirking along. Like, <laughs> right. Talk, talking through his teeth a little bit. Yeah. And he's got like one dead tooth, so it's kind of creepy. Yeah. He's a dead tooth. The, the person who owns or one of the employees of the cor- higher ups at the Corning Glass uh, plant. Tell us a little bit about how Dale was as an employee, and I just kind of wrote, good, not great, or even, I don't know, good might even be a little too, because... That, that, that's giving him too much credit. Well, he did, he, he did it was stop weird some... As like, well, he was a slow worker, he took his time, and we had our issues. Yeah. <laughs> good, but then not again, great. he did save a half dozen people. By That's probably the only him. reason why he had something nice to say about him is because he saved those people. Yeah, there was like a forklift stuck under a hot stream of glass, and it was it was about to like get some propane tanks, and he just casually drove it out and um, averted a huge dis- uh, workplace disaster. Disaster. A half dozen lives and thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in damage. Yeah, you know those plants have like a, they have like the the number where it says like days without incident. Oh, <laughs> that was a sad day for the Corning Glass plant. Um, sorry, Corning Glass Works plant. The whole thing, all four. I don't know. I don't know. I don't um, know. so um, the morning comes of sun. This morning of Sunday, December thirteenth, rolls around, and the person who is there to relieve Dale's, uh, the uh, morning guy. Yeah. Security duties. Notice that he wasn't there sitting, you know, where he usually was. He kind of stumbles over. Uh, maybe not stumbles. He walks to the kid. He walks to the cafeteria, finds Dale's lunch pail. Dale's pail. <laughs> Dale's pail. And it's still food of his. Uh, it's still filled with his uneaten dinner from the night before. Woo wee. Hmm. Um. <clears throat> so that's a little odd. And then a little bit later that morning, every they notice the pickup truck. Which is, uh, you know, just still in the parking lot. Dale's yeah, and newer they, pickup truck is pretty new. And they happened to mention that it was a new pickup truck. Keys in the ignition. Yeah. And a carton of cigarettes and his day bag. And his gun holster. Oh, yeah. Empty. Empty gun holster. Empty 20 no gun. gun holster. <clears throat> and um, and they, they suspected that it was a struggle or something like that because, like, his daughters say, like, he wouldn't leave without his carton of cigarettes. Yeah, apparently this guy was a mad smoker. See, that's why he looked older. He than smoked 50. all the time. <laughs> well, that's like, exactly why he, never, he, he would, he would be never. He'd never leave home without his pack of cigarettes. It's like no, he'd never leave home without his carton. Yeah, he no didn't wonder. say carton. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, he he would have at least had a backup twenty pack twenty on him. Yeah, you know? a backup something. twenty six. But yeah, that's exactly why he looked as old as he did. That guy looked oh, no, rough yeah. 50. Yeah, if he was planning a, a long trip, he would probably take the carton for sure. 
No doubt about it. Those shit, those shits ain't cheap. So that afternoon, uh, they bring in the uh, the canine, the judge a good boy, the uh, uh, German Shepherd, cute little doggy. And he's barking and sniffing and sniffing and barking. And you take him to the second floor. <laughs> to, sniffing um, and barking and barking and sniffing. <laughs> That's what he was doing. <laughs> In that order. <laughs> In that exact order. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, um, what a great storyteller. <laughs> <laughs> he takes... <laughs> Uh, yeah, see, that, I, I wouldn't even notice that I did that, like, subconsciously. <laughs> barking and sniffing and sniffing and barking. And he takes him up to the second floor. Takes, and they follow him to the second floor where um, his scent was definitely at the tanks, but uh, nothing was there. And like, I guess I don't really understand what they mean by tanks. Like, the, this is where the platinum is made or where the platinum is, Oh, no, is this like, is, like, where they store the, the raw material. For making <clears throat> glass. And that's platinum? That's it's crazy. Part platinum is used um, depending on the type of metal or type of glass you're making. You might use copper, silver, gold. <laughs> A bunch of people that actually listen to us that make copper or, or make glass are like, you dumb fucks. They're yelling at their... <laughs> well, like, at least I'm learning right I, now. I, I, I read up on it because I was like confused. They're like, you know, like... Yeah, I was they went up confused. to the glass kiln where they had platinum starters. It's like, all right, like I have a buddy of mine who, who dabbles in lamp working. He makes beads. And oh. stuff. so I was sitting there, just like I've gone to his house. I've seen him blow beads, and I've never seen him bust out with like platinum. Like, what, like what the fuck are they using platinum at a glass shop? So I started reading, and mm-hmm. there, there's a whole book on it's Corning Glass Works plant. There, there's Not a whole more. book on like you know <laughs> how to use metals in making what's called. Kiln glass, and you actually basically take raw elements like silica and all that and mm. melt it down. Yeah, I have no idea how you do that. I've seen like people, like a lot of places here, like those small markets will do like, oh, like free glass blowing demonstration. <laughs> and then I go out there and they'll do like the cool vases and stuff and they'll sell them. It looks cool. I don't know how it's done. But yeah, it looks really I, yeah. When they cool. said the tank, I was like, Whoa. and yeah, I was a little bit uh, unclear on what they meant. Um, and they also yeah, it, s- they also say that the uh, this guy definitely would have had to have known, and they can tell because of the fucking security footage they checked out, dun, dun, dun. which was reenacted. I I was kind of excited last week because I thought it was actual <laughs> security footage. Yeah, but no, they don't show it, dude. Um, I wonder if you could find that online. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Probably not. But they, there's I a Reddit know. for it. They, I, I like the way they really went for it in the rec, in the recreation because it, it really uh, um, felt kind of it felt like you were watching security security tape. Oh yeah, even with the flicker of like a worn out cassette. Oh yeah. So the camera records a masked man, and um, he's walking through the place and um, scoping things out, scoping things out, and then they see him. Um, talking to Dale and they can't tell how Dale is feeling. And, uh, and, um, it's very like uncomfortable. And then later they have the mass there's, they have the mass man on tape climbing up to the tank area. And then after that, there's another weird video of Dale of them walking out of the place together where Dale, like kind of uncomfortably, he looks at the camera. Yeah. He stares right at the camera 
and people are curious like is it a look like help or a, a look like <laughs> you're never gonna get me yeah and it's weird the guy who like works at the corning glass place is like he thinks that he's just rubbing it in his face it's like no I, yeah like and then we get the testimonies from the daughters and they definitely don't think their dad was involved they're like, if he was doing that, why would he just show his face to the camera? It doesn't really make sense. And the way um, his truck was left and all that stuff, it just seemed like he wasn't planning on doing anything or going anywhere. Later, they they show another reenactment of a security footage that they apparently found of uh, this masked man, like, kind of taking out a load of stuff on, like, a – what would you call it? Like a dolly? Yeah, but like some kind of rolling cart or whatever. Yeah, like a rolling cart. And then the guy says, that could have very easily have been Platinum or Dale Kerstetter's body. Hmm. We do get a little bit more information about how he did, uh, Dale had recently taken a seven grand pay cut. Uh, but his daughters say that like that really wouldn't have mattered too much because they were pretty well off and they had the means to help yeah, him out financially they if they needed it. They could have floated him. Yeah, but that, I mean, also that's kind of like a prideful thing that you might not want your daughters yeah, he, helping you out of jams like that. He was also thirty thousand dollars in debt. Yeah, yeah, thirty to forty. But was he? Just kidding. Yeah, he was. But that's not that normal. That's not that. What do you think? Is that that out of the normal? Well, not what? now, but that's because of like most most people like have student debt and thousands of credit cards. I'm not sure. It's a it made it seem like he just had like a bunch of car payments and a house probably that he couldn't pay for and a bunch of other things. Yeah, maybe yeah. it's possible. I mean, the '80s were crazy for credit cards. People were getting in lots of debt then. Until so people bought their Quaaludes. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they would charge it because you could buy them at pharmacies. <laughs> So Dale Kurtzetter kind of um, vanishes into thin air. And that's like, I don't know, that there's not really much more to that story. No. Other than the, the, the son creepily coming back and doofily telling the camera that he thinks that he <laughs> might have been part of, the, part of it. And uh, that once the statute of limitations comes out, he's going to come back. Like, no, I'm sorry. Dude. He didn't. Yeah. He didn't. That's, a, that's a pipe dream, son. You know what, son? Yeah. <laughs> pipe. Platinum pipe dream. That's a platinum <laughs> and steel pipe dream. <laughs> That's a platinum and pipe dream. Doofy ass, son. Um, yeah, he had a creepy smile the whole time. It kind of reminded me of uh, Jean Benet Ramsey's uh, br- brother. Creepy brother that totally killed Oh, yeah, her. yeah, we all know it. I'm looking at you, Jimmy... Benet Ramsey. Fuck, I forgot his name. <laughs> Jimmy? <laughs> Jimmy Benet. <laughs> it's funny that they called him John Benet. I mean, they called her John Benet. What it, I, I picture, based on that name, you would think that their son is named like Joaquin or something, like some fancy. I think it's like, like Al. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but. Um, Bob. Bob. Um, Bob Benet. Bob Benet. Bob Benet. <laughs> There's John Bonet and Bob Bonet Ramsey. The, oh, there's little Bob Bonet. Bob Bonet. That's so ba, dumb. Bob Bob Bonet. Um, Burke. His name's Burke. There's nothing really else. There's nothing else on this damn case except for he was like legally declared dead, right? 
Yeah, in 2014, they declared um, him dead. I. What do you think? Thoughts? I really don't think he had anything to do with this. Yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah, same here. <clears throat> I think they just put his. They they just stuffed him under some molten glass streams, whatever that means. It you know what I think the real crime is here? The fact that they took him and didn't let him take his goddamn carton of cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, dude, he could have smoked. <laughs> let me get my cigarettes at least. Let me get one last smoke in before I. <laughs> Uh, Dale, Anyways, pack. Dale Kurtzstetter One seems like pack. an innocent uh, bystander in this, but he who does. the fuck knows? It's kind of a good little mystery, because um, uh, man, I would really like to see the real videos. That would mm-hmm. that would creep me out. That put a little yeah. spook. That put a little spook in my step. Most definitely. That would put uh, some goosebumps on your on your pecker. That would put some goosebumps on my pecker. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. Next, we talk about the uh, like we said the. Or Dave, do you want to say it because you said you were going to say it one more time? Yes, we. Uh, there was a long, arduous, <laughs> drawn very, out, very update. insane, over, over recapped, depressing update on the orphan train, and that's how I will it was. Say. Not bad. It, it was a good update. <laughs> I got, I got a good solid five minute nap. So. Dude, I did too. I fell asleep. Good. We went. We had Italian food, and um, mm. it's not. I don't. I don't ever want to take uh, notes while watching Unsolved Mysteries after <laughs> I've eaten like a big, heavy Italian food with a glass of wine or two. Ooh. It was hey, that's funny. Intense. I had. I had. I had a couple glasses of wine before. Now I'm on my. Uh, now I'm on. Now I'm moved on to the the the, the beers. Well, you're you're drinking white wine though. That's like. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's for uh, for girls that are on a diet. That's like drinking Capri Sun. <laughs> I like my Pinot Grigio. What can I say? Were you drinking a nice port? Oh, like a dessert wine? <laughs> Some Merlot. <laughs> um, the next case is one of my favorites. I'm pretty excited. I do love Marfa. Um, I've been, I've seen the Marfa lights as a kid. I, I've, I've done the hipster experience of going and camping there. Never, um, never I, have. I used to play with this cool band, Like a Fire. They're still awesome in, in Austin. Check them out. Look them up. Um, and like, we like would, when they lived here, we would go over there, play show in Marfa, hang out really nice, cool little small town of, uh, pretty hip people. It's weird. It's cool. They have like, you know, um, couple really good tasty spots to eat and they have a cool little mystery. It's a cool little like town out in the middle of fucking nowhere. It's like Roswell. I was kind of excited about this, and then I, I, I kind of feel like Dan's going to just piss all over this case and, like, ruin it for me. No. See, because there's no, like, there's no real, there's nothing. You you, you don't know. He's got that smile on his face. He's got uh, that Dan smirk. Science. Fuck. Science. Science, bitch. I actually wrote down on this. Science, bitch. Uh, you could bust out your science after we tell the lovely story of the mystery, the mysterious ghost lot. Of Marfa, Texas. And these people that they interviewed were old. Dude. Oh, and the accents. It's great. Mm-hmm. It's great. Actually, there's not the accents aren't too bad. Mm. The the scientists. Yeah. Come back now, Unit 3. Laid on really thick there. Mm-hmm. That's how they talk down here. Okay, so it all started in 1883. Dude, um, we're going way back on this one. Oh, yeah. In Marfa, <laughs> Texas, a cowhand noticed a strange glow 
It appeared to be a few miles away and hovering just above the ground. And uh, these these settlers are like, what's that? Maybe some Apaches? Might be Apache campfire. Um, they didn't know. They were spooked. And um, the next reported sighting of it that's, like, I guess, presented by the uh, folks at Unsolved Mysteries is in 1916. There was a lady who t- gave, like, a really vague uh, reason for being in Marfa. You know, we, we were, were visiting. Hanging out. We were visiting. going there and visiting. Mrs. Haley Stillwell was her name. She was 18 years old at the time. 18 oh, yeah. years young. She was a beautiful blue hair um, when she's being interviewed. <laughs> a beautiful A, a luxurious blue hair. Oh, blue hair. Tons of blue hairs. And apparently everybody, Unsolved Mysteries, happened to interview every uh, librarian-looking woman that lives in Marfa. <laughs> it looks like this is where librarians all originate. This is oh, where yeah. they come from. They that's, come where they, from that's where they spawning. make them. They make it's them there. They spawn. They totally make them there. So um, she's yeah, like I like I said, she saw the lights while visiting, um, and she said that uh, you know they're like could have been some Mexicans, it could have been some uh, settlers. She's like we, but they were moving, so we just called them ghost lights. We, we just lights. said they're ghost lights. And uh, I guess in 1943 is our next jumping time jumping point yeah. um, at the Marfa Air Force Base. No, Ar- the Army Air Force. The Army at the Marfa Which, Army Air Base. Does that does that base still exist? I've never heard of this base before. Let's Google it. Update. Marfa Army Airfield is an abandoned airfield located in the high deserts of West Texas, about 200 miles southeast of El Paso, which is where we're at. Yeah, I think they figured. I think they figured. Like, why are we going to have another Air Force base in Marfa when we have like Holloman, which is pretty close to? Wow, dude! In use from 1942 to 1945. Three years. I noticed that. That's weird. Hey, hide of World War Two. That's where we should go camping. That's See if it's haunted. Weird. See if it's haunted. Ooh, we could do a thing like Fear from MTV. Do you remember that show? Uh, vaguely. What do they do? They would Did they... spend a night in a haunted place and have to do oh. like certain things. I don't know. Would they get money? Yeah. At the end of it, they they would get like fifty thousand. What's the scariest episode? Uh, the one they did at like the state pen in Philadelphia is like crazy. Philly, go birds! <laughs> he just won the Super Bowl. <laughs> oh yeah, fly eagles fly. Sure. I think it was like it was like a prison, but it was also like a mental hospital. So like, some really fucked up shit happened there. What about that hotel where that uh, Elisa Lamb? Oh, dude, we were looking that- at staying there because it's like not a very nice hotel. Yeah, and it's like super haunted. Apparently, like, oh yeah, that's a, a lot of weird things have happened there. Uh, Richard like, Ramirez stayed there for a second. Yeah, Richard Ramirez didn't Charles Manson no, stay there for a little bit? I don't think so. Oh, Maybe. then it was just Richard um, Ramirez. So when the base finally closed, the townspeople held a number of going away parties and dances and barbecues. Uh, like in 1946, a bunch of stuff went up for sale, like a bowling alley they had and some office equipment and a bunch of. Their oh, that sounds cool. Stuff. That sounds like some cool memorabilia to have. Yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, so they like yeah, they just sold everything off. There's no real reason here on the Wikipedia page. Here. So there's a there's an article about post-war use, but I don't know. 
The Marfa Lights viewing platform is located just north of the former airfield by its abandoned oh. by its abandoned entrance. I, I've been to the Marfa Lights viewing platform as a kid, and I saw them, dude. Was, I saw little twinkles in the distance. Um, Mr. Fritz Call, um, this guy who worked at the Army Air Base, he, this guy was very stern. This guy was a, a go-getter. He was a no-nonsense man. And he was talking about how he saw lights, and uh, they, they were out there you know, working, and he was saying that, that he remembers very clearly because – if the if the moon was out, it was awesome. It was beautiful. But if it was if there was no moon out there, it was black. Yeah. So it was one he of said there was like nights. no no lights, right? Like there was no really lights out there. Yeah, nothing at all. And he it was one of these dark nights, I guess. And the, he saw these lights, uh, kind of twinkling in the distance. And uh, he went and asked the townsfolks about them, and they were like, kind of just like, oh yeah, we know about them. <laughs> yeah, like what of it? Like we don't care. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, Robert Stack says it. People over the years have thought it might be ball lightning or St. Elmo's fire or my f- personal favorite, my, my personal favorite, rabbits with glow worms attached to their tails. That, that was mine, too. What? <laughs> that's my favorite. That's, that's the stack man talking. And then this is when we get our line of librarians telling us about <laughs> uh, uh, their experiences with the Marfa Lights, uh, lifelong Marfa residents. Some, that yeah. lady was retired. That other person was... Not yeah, there was, was one. A, there was a, another teacher, and then they talk about some other guy. This one lady says uh, that she's like, "Well, there was four of us. Two of them saw it, and two of us didn't. So I don't know. Use with that what you will." And then you're gonna talk about that guy. Sorry, which guy? Oh, the guy that goes. This this guy that is uh, he comes out and he's wearing like this cool dad hat. Yeah, and uh, he goes out there and he starts deciding, "I'm gonna go chase these lights." Yeah, he's he's, like, he said I, he's been like obsessed with it ever since he was. A, a, yeah, he 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 called it his his Loch Ness monster. His he was Bigfoot, gonna, yeah. He was gonna catch this thing, and so he he came up with this idea that the reason nobody has been able to find out what they are is because these mysterious lights are apparently smart and know when people are using vehicles. So his bright idea was to walk it. Him and his brother went out there four hours. And guess what? They didn't find shit. Yeah, he said they kept changing or moving, or he's like, it's like they knew. And he yeah. said he also said it was like a mirage, which I think is probably what is Pro- the more correct. Uh, yeah, and he it? said uh, it was kind of hard to tell distance. He they couldn't tell if they were looking at a light that was ginormous or if it was like a small cantaloupe size, like a Pringles can. Yeah, <laughs> like Liam Neeson's dick. Like Liam Neeson. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't know. <laughs> you never heard that? It's like a Hollywood thing. That no, is that what they say? Has he's a got a Pringle, big old, Pringle can? He's supposed to have a big old dick. Hmm. I don't I know. who started that rumor. It, it was some model that he apparently banged. It was some, yeah, some famous lady that he stooped. Stooped? Yeah. Um, knocked, that he knocked boots with? Mm-hmm. That <laughs> he knocked boots. <laughs> um. So in July 1989 of of last year, <laughs> what last year? According to the Unsolved Mysteries episode, sorry, is that what they said? They said 2017. In, in the context of the Unsolved Mysteries episode, oh, I was like, what are you talking bit, about? <laughs> we, in July of 1989, they asked the people of Unsolved Mysteries asked uh, sci- a scientist, a geologist, some astronomers, and. Uh, to see if they could uh, find anything. And they could so find a geologist, an astronomer, and a... 
Ge- what do you call it? Scientist. And geographer go walk into a bar and, in Marfa. And they're like, hey, this is the only bar in Marfa. We don't really have much of a choice. You get a Marfa burritos cheese. down the street and you can get a sweet grilled cheese. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the grilled cheese place is called, but it's, it's tasty. Or you can go to the Prada store. Oh, yeah. That's the pro- it's, yeah, it's kind of weird. Or you can. The only thing that I've seen is that you can stay in like some super hip like thing where there's like a trailer and you don't have a door. Uh, you're thinking of like El Cosmico, which is like the cool hipster <laughs> camp spot they have. Yeah. Yeah, I've stayed there. It's pretty. That's cool. all. That's all I know about Marfa. You can it's also neat. Stay in a TP. Is like, it neat? It's like you can go and like I mean it's not really like true camping. Like there's like a you know there's like a little fridge and a grill over there. You can set up your camp and just go wander around town and stuff because it's so small. It's kind of – it's pretty fun. Like, people from – when we went there, there was a bunch of people from Austin. And so, we're like, that's pretty far. But, uh, yeah, people from all over Texas go and go to Marfa <laughs> just to get out in the middle of nowhere, I guess. I don't know. So, these guys that were hanging out at El Cosmico getting drunk and eating grilled cheese decided to go um, to – <laughs> investigate the lights for themselves. <laughs> they were getting drunk and eating grilled cheese. <laughs> they they see the lights uh, fade in and out, and they they talk about the markers that they set up uh, at the at the end two ends of the highway, and there was also a radio tower. Did you guys get thrown off by that? Because I, I I saw them set the camera up and they show them setting up all the equipment, and then all of a sudden, like it shows the picture, and it's like that's clearly a painting. Oh but yeah, it, it really yeah, I, was I think a painting. that was like an illustration to show no, where, where de- they set it up. But but at first, I I, I was expecting to see like an actual photo, and then you, they were like, it, it also like, looked like <laughs> those aren't real mountains. Yeah, it also looked like the mountains were drawn, and it was like a real picture of the bottom. Yeah, that was kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they definitely do see, like, they see these lights kind of blinking and fading, and, and, and then they kind of fade out, and then a little bit later kind of blink back on and turn back on. And they, you know, they ask them at the, at the end, like, what they, you know, what their findings were. And they're kind of like, um, they're like, there's definitely something there. They're, we're definitely seeing something besides lights from cars. And, uh, you know... They kind of speculated it could be refractive starlight or luminous gas caused by earthquakes. But none of this is really, I mean, at least at that time, none of it was really like, you know, they weren't sure of anything. <laughs> so they just went and uh, went to Marfa Burrito. It's like in a house. It's crazy. It's so small <laughs> to, to get a delicious burrito. And then they drove in their separate ways and never saw each other again. And, and that, that was it. And that's Marfa Lights. And that's Marfa Lights. Those are the ghost lights, guys. I kind of added some flourishes to um, help out some Mar- lo- Marf- local Marfa businesses. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember the name of the grilled cheese place. I'm sorry. <laughs> so what? The science doesn't know what this is for sure. Yeah, I, got I don't nothing. know. I got nothing. You don't? Dan thought it was – you said it was gas. Luminous <laughs> gas I, I, I caused nothing. by earthquakes? Yeah. All the, all the librarians had gas, and it, it emitted this uh, gas that seeped through the, the cracks of the earth and caused these lights to – You know what it is? Marfa burrito. <laughs> it is. It's all the grilled cheese. It's backed up Marfians. Are that what you call them? People from Marfa? Are they called Marfians? Marfins. 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 Marfins? I don't know. Marfins? But yeah, yeah, I think I think my theory is good. It's Marfa burrito, all of that delicious Marfa burrito gas going into the underground under Marfa, and the luminous gas is being reflected off of <laughs> starlight in the night. 
because it, there's a crack out there where it kind of comes out. Mm, so it's all I scientific, like and it's all because of Marfa Brito. A lot of people don't know that Marfa Brito has been there since 1883. It does say on the sign when you go. <laughs> established, established in 1883. 1883. <laughs> we caused the Marfa lights, guys. No, I don't know, but... Um, Wait, you, so you really didn't have anything? You were just kind yeah, of. Yeah, like, I was just busting his balls because he's like, I know you're gonna have something for it. So I just like. No, right, because uh, last time you I'm were like, guess, it's guess. And the bitch out of this. It's guess. It's guess, guys. <laughs> um, the whole time I was watching theory. it too, I was like, man, this is like really cool. Like this is a really cool story, and then Dan's gonna just pull the rug out. <laughs> I really thought you had like some really scientific explanation for it, but no. Um, you didn't come through today. What do I want it to be like? Uh, an alien ship landed there and left some sort of weird trace of another dimension out there. Now, I, I like the Native American chief who does not want to let his land go. Oh, that's like that's the only one I didn't say. I said yeah. I, I said the ones with the little glowworms on the tails of the bunnies. Yeah, the bunnies, the little bunnies. But I didn't say that like cool, <laughs> epic, like scary, awesome, like Native American chief likes being like fuck you. Because the that's bunnies stood out. The, the bunnies stood out. But that's what I want to believe. I want to believe it's some chief that got his land taken and he's like, you're not going to take me, you dumb Morphians. Have you seen the commercial for that new children's film, Peter Rabbit, where it's like a yes. bunch of talking rabbits that um, yeah, pull a bunch of hijinks see that movie. Yeah. On, on an unsuspecting um, General Hux from Star Wars? <laughs> Because <laughs> it's it's that actor I forget his name. Oh, uh, uh, Brendan Gleeson's son. No, what's it? Dom Hall Gleeson. Dom Hall Gleeson. Um, yeah. No, my kids so, want to watch it. So let's think of that in the Peter Rabbit universe. Just a bunch of witty little snarky rabbits. One voiced by James Corden, and they they put little glowworms on their tails, and they're like, "We've been fooling these motherfuckers for two hundred <laughs> plus years." And then they go and they they go in their little rabbit holes. Two hundred thirty plus. It's a rabbit family tradition. <laughs> but keep in mind, that's the furthest that we get. That's as far as they go because the people that they interviewed were old already. Like the, the people older than them didn't exist, so they weren't there to say, hey, this, this existed when I was here. You know, I'm 150 years old. They, it, it's crazy. Like, they don't have someone talking. Like, I was there in 1883, but that lady was a girl in 1916. That's wild. Dude. I mean, it, isn't that crazy? It, at that time, she was uh, she was born in 1898. Yeah, I mean, at that time, she it was it was 1990, but that's a fucking wow. That's, that's a, a long, long life, time, dude. Even yeah, back then. Um, I'm surprised they. Yeah, no, I don't want to speak ill of her because she was a sweet um, old lady. But God damn it, what's the last? Old, what's the last broad? thing she said? She said she said I don't want to know what they are. She's I'll let the ghost take care of it, and I was like, yeah, you're fine. You, you could take care of it. You're a ghost now. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's really harsh, but that's really funny. God, <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> you old blue hair ghost. I'll leave it up to the ghosts. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could, well, you're figuring it out now, aren't you, sweetheart? <laughs> oh, no. Imagine. Uh, oh, oh what, no. Much to my chagrin, something. she's actually like 130 years old right now. She's <laughs> killing it. She's alive and kicking. <laughs> <laughs> oh terrible. no! Um, honestly, all jokes aside, it's fucking cool that she's that she was uh, still around to tell this story of yeah. her visiting or visiting. hookering around. I don't know. It's the way she said, the way she told yeah. the story was weird. 
she was. What was there, her name? Just, what was her name? Uh, I, I didn't get her name. God damn. Blue hair. Blue hair. Blue hair too. That's, that's what I have for Dennis. This Blue awesome hair too. lady from 1916. <laughs> Not from. Well, I mean, yeah. Such disrespect from the stack pack. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, I guess we'll have to leave it up to the ghosts. Yeah. The ghost lights of Marfa. This next case is a fucking bummer. Dude. Oh, yeah. This is a sadistic bastard who did a bad, bad thing to Dude. two wonderful people. Did you look Whether. into this one a little bit more? I did not, but oh. I'm going to now that you no, mentioned it. No, 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 don't, don't, don't. Because D- Dan has a little bit of juicy information at the end. Not really juicy, but I don't know. Like, I want Dan to tell it to you once we get Dude. through the story. Okay, I'm not going to look it yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Right? Right, yeah. Right. Okay, so this is an unexplained death. This one is fucking terrible, but it's also, like, why you love Unsolved Mysteries in a lot of ways. Like, it's fucking scary, for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. For sure. This one is really scary. Um, So we're going to be talking about Tanya. Tanya. Um, What was Tanya's last name? <laughs> Harding. Tanya and Jay. They were young lovers. Jay Cook and Tanya Van... Van Kuhlenberg. Kuhlenberg? I don't know. I got nothing. Okay, so Tanya and Jay Cook. (laughs) 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 They say Tanya the whole time, and it's weird. Even the dad calls her Tanya, and I think that's weird. I don't know. I've never heard it pronounced Tanya. Um, They they do say about over there. Up yeah. in the old uh, so, Canada. So Jay and Tanya had been dating for about six months, according to their parents. Tanya was 17. Jay was 20. But apparently they their parents uh, kind of, you know, they liked, you know, they seemed good they, for each other. and Yeah, they approved. They approved. Yeah. Um, the parent, one of the parents said, like, oh, if, if, if he wasn't here, she was there or whatever, vice versa. Um, and yeah, even Jay's or no, Tan- Tanya's dad is like, uh, I had no qualms with him dating, uh, Jay. Like he, uh, was, you know, sh- she trusted Jay with her daughter. He's um, a good lad. Yeah. So they decided to go on like a little trip together, a vacation and they, uh, borrowed Jay's dad's van and they took a ferry from, uh, they took a ferry to Canada. Yeah, this one is specifically scary. I can relate because when Jaws and I started dating, we did something similar. We it was very early on. We'd only known each other for a short time, and we're like, "Let's get out," you know, "Let's take a road trip." So uh, to to think about something like this happening during that time is yeah, it's terrifying. That's creepy, dude. <laughs> so yeah, they go. They're like, "We're gonna go to Victoria, Canada," and um, basically on their way back from this trip is um when uh the bad shit happens. Yeah, I have I have this whole thing. So okay, they took good. the ferry, they took the ferry uh the 4 p.m. ferry to to Port uh, Anglis. I think it's how you pronounce it. I'm I apologize if that's not how you say it. But anyways, they did borrow the father's van and they were seen twice heading south on Highway 101 and um they were heading towards the town of um oh gosh it auto it auto corrected on my thing. I, I gotta figure out. Bremerton? It, it auto, no, no, no. It's it's good sport. It it auto corrected to good sport. Good sport. 
Is that Hoodsburg. what it was? Yeah, headed Hoodsburg. down Highway 101 into Hoodsport. Hoodsport, arriving there around 8 All right, all right, all right. Continue. Just okay, so continue with saying Hoodsport so I yeah, can make it like one. So seen twice heading south on 101 uh, towards the town of Goodsport at approximately 8 p.m. Hood. an hour later. Hoodsport in, with an H. <laughs> but it's all right. Continue. What is it? Hood. What is it? Sport. Hoodsport. Yeah. Hoodsport. Yeah, then that's why it autocorrected. So I apologize. <laughs> so, anyways, so then an hour later, they were seen in the town of Allen with a Y. Uh, believed that they were headed towards the second ferry from Bermonton to Seattle, and that's where they were supposed to be returning. And they were they were supposed to be returning the next day, and nobody heard from him. And when they didn't call, the uh, Tanya's dad was kind of trying to. You know, take it easy so the mom wouldn't worry, but they immediately knew something was off because their daughter would always let them know where she was. I mean, this is a time when, you know, <laughs> when somebody leaves the house, you're pretty much, they could be dead until they call you. <laughs> no cell phone, nothing. Yeah. When you when you made plans with somebody and you said, be there at five, and they showed up at five, that was a miracle. So if you, yeah, so if you like knew, oh, this person should call me, and they didn't. Yeah, that's when you're immediately like, yeah, there's a fucking the Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, dude, I was on top of literally, David, that was literally <laughs> just thinking that same thing. That's crazy. We hang out too much now. And then what was it like a couple days later? Yeah, they find Tanya's body. This is this is where I asked Dan. Dan cleared it up because in the in the story, they didn't they didn't say how long it was that they found her. Apparently it was four days. Right, Dan? Yes. So they, they go missing on the 20th, and then they were found. They found her on the 24th. Correct. Okay. They find her body partly clothed, and she was raped. Um, raped and shot to death in Skadek County. They didn't say the shot to death part on Unsolved, did they? No, no they well, didn't. She was I shot. Didn't. Oh, that's fucking shitty. Oof. So, um, and these pl- there's plastic ties all around her. She had been bound. So they tell the family, and Jay's family finds out. And it's terrifying because they still haven't found Jay and the cops are telling them to be prepared for um, Jay being the number one suspect in this because they still haven't found him. Um, And the next day they found Jay's van and uh, there was more plastic ties in the car. I think there was a little bit of blood and this was, it was like 90 miles away. Yeah. 90 miles. Correct. In the city of uh, Bellingham. Yeah. And there was yeah. great town. There's a Edison Thomas Edison uh, museum there. Have you actually oh, been cool. there? You yeah. did. Awesome. That sounds uh, really interesting. Actually, <laughs> there's a uh, there's a tattoo artist there that's best. Uh, like her her specialty is uh, dots. Oh yeah, what's that called? Oh, there's a name for it. I was talking about it with somebody yesterday. <laughs> yeah, the, the, yeah. It's like where you just draw with just dots. Um, so two blocks away from the van, they like thrown under like a house. Um, was like Jay's keys and Tonya's uh, driver's license, Tanya's driver's license, and uh, surgical gloves. And a half box of ammo. Yeah. Oh, yeah, some ammo. That's right. And see, the ammo part would have made a lot more sense if we knew that she was shot um, because the one of the cops says that it was kind of just like shoving it in their face, like kind oh, of yeah. bragging that, you know, okay, I, I use gloves, so you're fucked there, and here's the bullets. Probably this is the box. One of the bullets from this box is what I shot this person with. Right. And uh, of course, um, you guessed it, guys. 
<laughs> uh, Jay was dead too. They found his yeah. body on Thanksgiving Day. Oh, what a bummer! Strangled, bound with these same plastic uh, ties, beaten in a very prison-like manner. Is the way that they made yeah. it seem. And they said, right? You, I don't. I think you said it already that he was the the cause of death was strangulation. Yeah, strangled, and yeah, the the main cause was strangulation. Strangulation, but he was like super beaten and bound and super shitty man and and yeah. you know the, the most heartbreaking thing is like you know they, they show the kids on the ferry at the beginning but when you see the pictures of these kids like they really look like i kids, know they dude. look like kids man they're young like they're like young. i could cast them in the 1980s movie and one of it's molly ringwald yeah. and the kid from dream warriors the mute kid who doesn't talk from My, nightmare on elm street 3 <laughs> that there was two ki- I'll, I'll send you a picture of the other kid yeah eli and you're gonna be like whoa <laughs> he was uh, discovered underneath a bridge near Monroe, and he was so for covering. Okay, yeah. So Monroe, where is Monroe in uh, in relation to uh, in re- yeah, in relation to where Bellingham? I don't know where her body was found. So I don't or his body, yeah, or, or his van too. I didn't really yeah. think about that. I don't. I know nothing about Washington State. Yeah, they didn't Can show. You tell? They didn't show. They didn't give us. They they didn't give us a map of that. They gave us a map of the route that they took. So just going back over the timeline, they were, they went missing on the twentieth. They found her body on the twenty fourth. They found the van on the twenty fifth, right? And then they found his body on the twenty sixth, which was Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So those three days were just. So it makes you wonder. Like I wonder how long were they there? Or did he keep them somewhere? Possibly. And or did he kill him right away? Because probably. that's kind of a long time. I, I like, think he that's probably weird that they killed found him first. They, and that's weird that they killed all three, or they found all three three days, and they were missing for what four days. So that that's that's a gap. The van, who yeah. knows? Well, the van's got to be the. Uh, it's funny. I'm playing this. It's funny because I'm playing this video game where you like, um, <laughs> you you have like, you're a detective and you have like supernatural powers. So you find all these crime scenes, and once you find everything, is there there to be found? That's good. Um, so your your mind's like getting well. Once you find everything, exercise. everything there is to be found, you have to put it in order. Like what happened first, right? In sequence so what of happened events. first? What, so happened what happened first, first was dude. they kill Jay, and then he takes uh, Tanya, rapes her, and kills her, and then he ditches the van very last. Yep. They they maybe just him. He he immediately gets rid of the kid. Uh, being being Jay, like she, yeah. he 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 wants he has to. It's the it's the female that I mean. They even kind of mention this later. Uh, one of the cops is like, you know, when they're kind of trying to figure out what they think happened, which is that uh, the stranger was on this last ferry. Um, that was taking him back to Seattle and probably was real nice to these kids, and they were very reciprocated, reciprocating mm-hmm. because they're friendly kids, you know, in love. Asks him for a ride while the whole time just like eyes set on Tanya. Yeah. They didn't say anything about uh, uh, Jay being uh, sexually assaulted. I don't think. No. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think, think that was. was anything they thought they were worried about. He was just kind of beaten prison style, like mercilessly. So yeah, that's my um, vanishing of Ethan Carter tra- chain of events that I think. Yeah, I. I- it has to be that way. And then, um, yeah, so they suspected they met him on the ferry. Um, and people were just a lot more trusting back then. There wasn't really, you know, like like you said, David, 
they uh, they were in love. They didn't. This guy was probably really nice. Oh yeah, I mean he and they had like also wolf, said wolf that he, in sheep's clothing kind of situation. They were also speculating that there's no way he hadn't uh, done this before. Oh, because absolutely. of the surgical gloves and you know his friendly demeanor probably helps, and that he probably will and maybe uh, probably did do it again, um, which is crazy. And uh, yeah, they they mentioned that he he may he may have made a mistake. He ended up taking uh, his jacket. And also her backpack, her day pack. Day pack, which they say like twice in this episode, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know if that day was like pack? a... Day pack? Yeah. It looks like a backpack to me. A but yeah, people were just a board. lot more trusting back then. I mean, I remember one time also going back to Jaws and I, like having, I don't know, I guess we don't necessarily have like weird events happen, but one time we were at Walmart, I remember, and we got creeped out. This guy came up to us. We were doing shopping, and at the time we only had Adeline, and I think she was like one. And we were just doing shopping, you know, minding your own business, just buying some groceries. And some guy came up to us and asked us for a ride. He's like, can I get a ride? He's like, I, I lost my job. And, you know, I'm buying groceries for my family. And I felt kind of bad, but I just I just got a really creepy vibe from him. He's like, can I meet you out front? And then you take me to my house. He's like, I, I need to take these groceries back to my wife and kids. And I was like, uh. that's that's a red flag, especially being somebody who's such a new parent. Fuck. Yeah. No, no I, way, I, I, right? And I, no, we did not. Absolutely, we did not. I was like, uh, no, I'm sorry. Like, we don't have enough room in our car. I'm sorry. Like, Yeah, dude. Maybe, maybe like, fourth kid, like, now? Yeah, sure, I'll give a creepy guy a ride. And he'll take <laughs> a picture of me. Then. He'll take a picture of you guys with a Polaroid and then cut, cut his hand, like, in yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Dude, I don't know, but it was just creepy. We even got so creeped out that we, like, left. We were already almost done. We left our grocery cart, and we, like, went to another store. We're like, let's just leave. Like, I don't feel... Like, I could get sun chips at the other Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why sun chips came... I got sun chips on the brain. I don't know why that uh, that they came to mind, but that. But I mean, yeah. no, it makes sense. Like just a friendly stranger, and he was nice enough. That like, could be the end of your life, right there. If I if Definitely. I was, like, I, I imagine that he wanted, you know, my daughter. Like he was gonna just kill us and take my daughter. Or yeah, maybe of not course, even worst us. case maybe scenario. Just, yeah, anything, anything could happen. But yeah, I just don't. I don't know. Um. And then, you know, one last note, Robert Stack says, one last little thing. Things get oh, crazy. The worst, the worst can say, part. Can I say um, the, the fucking, like, headline? That I, I mean, it's, it's just the thing that stands out to me. Yes. Is the way Robert Stack says this. A morbid greeting card. Fuck, dude. Um, I thought you were going to say the, the killer's favorite line. So yeah, they he starts getting well. The, oh, can I read the note? I want oh, no. to read the note. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Never mind. Yeah, go, 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 go. my favorite line. So after the after the murders and over Christmas holidays, the family start getting these morbid greeting cards, and and one of them says, "Dearest Jay's father or Gordon Cook, greetings and salutations. Hallelujah, bloody Jesus. I am the happiest human being of the planet Earth." In fact, I am on a Michael Jackson victory tour celebrating my victory over. And that's where the note cuts off. That, the, what? I want to know There's no what more, the they rest don't have any, of that is. They don't have any more of these letters on no. uh, like anywhere else besides the Unsolved Mysteries thing? I, I 19. 19 of them. Over they, three different sent, holidays, he sent. They, they got these creepy letters that explained details about the murders and was kind of bragging uh, to the parents of these two kids 
that this per, the writer letter was in fact the person who ended their children's lives. Dude. And and it's like, dude, fucking diabolical, dude. Like, dude, the Joker, that's like sadistic. Dude, the Joker, shit. not that's no, that's like word. Like, oh my goodness, fucking Victor's ass. Dude, I don't know. It was yeah. This was some dark and twisted. It's so stuff. It's so scary. These this family after dealing because with, with their think about the it the loves of their life being brutally murdered their children, they're getting these awful letters. Think Hallelujah, about it. bloody Jesus! He has their address. He can easily go anytime he wants and just go pay them a visit. He knows where they live. Like yeah, that could, is like, the creepiest thing. He could like walk up thing. to their door and be like, "Oh, I just noticed your newspaper was outside. Here you go," and just give him a wink. And, and who they knows? Never know that that was a person. And, and who knows? Maybe he did. Maybe he went to go pay him a visit because it says that these letters were sent from different states and cities. Yeah, New York, yeah, L.A., and Seattle. There, those were the postmarks from. Um, Dude, crazy! Some of the nineteen of the letters that were sent. Yeah, straight up diabolical. Um, hallelujah, bloody Jesus. This Dude, this murder has never been solved. Never been solved. Never. In fact, I don't think any of the the things that we're talking about this this episode have been solved. Mm-mm. This is a, a fucking crazy, sad story. But one thing that it's not really a resolution but it's uh it kind of adds like an extra bit of like fuck to it. You want to <laughs> the things Dan learned a little crazy truth. So although this case has not been solved, it is still an open case and every so often detectives take a look at it. And in August of 2010, a cold case detectives finally identified the person responsible for sending those fucked up letters. No way. And uh the man is a 70-year-old uh, gentleman who has severe mental illnesses. And after interviewing this guy over a course of several hours, the detectives have determined that he got these details from the newspaper that, you know, he read the original headline of these kids being found and then just went with it. He had what? No- he had nothing to do with the murders. He had nothing to do with the murders. Just, just some old crazy guy. Some crazy what? mentally unstable guy, yeah, getting his kicks off. Uh, I mean, think about um, you got you have a newspaper article and you have the phone book, and that there you go. <laughs> you can Dude. just harass these poor people. So no, these That's... murders have never been solved. This guy's probably like still out there murdering. Maybe probably not, but oh, maybe he got caught for something else. But well, for a brief moment, they suspected that it was Cyril. Uh, How did they find? Huh? How did they find out who who know. wrote those letters? That's it crazy. Case, it says cold case detective. So probably, you know, these guys that, you know, I wonder how they found out. No. <laughs> we don't know, but. They um they also speculated that uh, these two poor kids were killed by either Robert Yates or Charles Sinclair. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, but after interviewing them and cross-referencing their DNA with DNA that were found on the victims. So yeah, was um, their DNA there, was their DNA found on them, there and they was. just never they never got a hit. They, they even never got they, a hit. So this pro- guy has not been back to prison ha, pres- or has ever. 
that's weird because they the they really suspected by the way Jay was killed that he wa- that this person Someone would have to know prison. how. Dude, yeah. what if what if he was like a security guard at a prison and he just knew how? To uh, oh, there you go. That sucks. That really sucks. Yeah, the notes is like an extra creepy little like topper on the case, and then to find out that it was just some nuts motherfucker, and the person who actually did this is probably very smart. And when those letters came out, he was probably like, fuck yeah, why not? <laughs> I'm not sending him. <laughs> um, but Jay and, yeah. Jay and Tanya's uh, murder has never been solved. Wow. But fuck, what a crazy, interesting case. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, like I said, I could have sworn that we covered something similar to this. I think you're that thinking Matt, of the uh, you're thinking of the Matt letters that were left at the uh, the mall. Maybe I don't think so because yeah. that was like Mickey in Joe West. No, because that went in Kansas City. This this was I I remember seeing some kind of similar map about Washington about some something happening. I could have been wrong. It's I watch a lot of true Matrix. crime, so could have been something else. Yeah, this the the god fun. the god particle. <laughs> this next one's fun. Can you say? Can you say? Can you say caravana marijuana? Yeah, Carolina marijuana. <laughs> Can I get an eighth of it's that? Just Caruana? a little weed, guys. Uh, wanted, uh, Mr. Salvatore Caruana. This is just your typical scumbag manhunt. Yeah, it's your typical scumbag manhunt uh, case. Um, this, you <laughs> may say that, but I see it as a guy just trying to get rich off providing joy to thousands of Americans. Oh, I mean, <laughs> if it was just selling weed. <laughs> Yeah, I think it did some more shit than sell weed. But this case is fucking confusing, man. Yeah, big time. To just throw at the end of this packed episode. So Salvador... Well, like, because our minds are still trying to process this whole thing about, like, these kids getting murdered. And then all of a sudden we have to talk about a drug dealer who may, may or may not know things about the cartel. Yeah, we have to talk about uh, uh, the plot of the Johnny Depp film Blow. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he's a drug lord, smuggler, premium uh, a hole. Um, at the time of this episode, he was on the U.S. Marshals' top fifteen uh, most wanted fugitives, and he was a New England mobster. He was possibly killed by uh, mobsters as well. He had ties with the New England mob, and he was possibly killed already, or they think he might have staged his death. Um, Homeboy's career goes all the way back to 1954 when he's arrested for armed robbery and firearms. And in the late 70s, he steps up his game to narcotics. So it's not just weed the whole time. He, he becomes a mob soldier. And he becomes involved with the selling of, already, of, or, of over $40 million in marijuana. Marijuana. I like how they... Um, well, he was arrested November 27th of 83 for... Possession of over forty million in marijuana—that's a lot of weight. He was arrested because of a bunch of his associates came forward. Yeah. That's when everything started to crumble. He carried guns and he was scary. He'd threaten your life. Well, <laughs> he was one of the super, cops. Said. He was the supervisor of the operations. He, he was the guy who oversaw, like you know, the purchase, the quality, the storage, the weight. <clears throat> I thought it was funny how like they made. He a was comment. executive producer. I, I I thought it was funny how they like they made a comment. They're like, oh, you know, like even the quality of it, and it's just like, I didn't know there was like variants types of weed in the seventies other than. Of just, course, like, oh yeah, hell yeah, dude. 
Shit. Just because there wasn't no OG Skywalker Kush. Like, dude, I remember being in high school and you'd get the crappy brown weed. Some of it was really light green and you'd be very excited. And then you get the brown kind of like darker color green. You're just like, nah, okay, this is fine. But that was still back <laughs> in the do. days before the crazy medicalness. But like when you would get like a really lime green light color of sh- of swag, you know, like, you know, not the, not top level or whatever. When you get when you get a nice lime green, that's exciting. I wouldn't know, David. All right, I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying from experience. From my experiences of the pre-medical marijuana days, when you got that lime green stuff, you're like, you're excited. Um, so he was uh, charged for all this weed because of his friends and informants coming through under something called the Kingpin Statute, and um, which should have kept him in jail for life. But his bail was set to five five hundred grand, and all you need is ten percent. So he was it was no problem for him to get fifty grand. He was out the same day. He changed his own bail. Yeah. Chump change. Chump He's change. Like, let me just let me take it out of my pocket real quick and let me just give it to you guys. Yeah. I got that on my person. Dude, I bet you he did. He had it in his glove compartment and he just paid to get out. Um, so I, April 2nd of 1984, he uh, disappears. And this is two days before his trial was about to start. Um, 1985, a task force of a bunch of different, like, um, yeah, the the DEA, the the DOD, the CIA, the FBI, the Federalities, Scotland Yard, Scotland Yard, <laughs> the uh, the Canadian the Mounties. Col- <laughs> I was going to say the British Columbian Mounties. <laughs> All of them gathered uh, for to form a task force to find Mister Marijuana Caruana. State troopers, state troopers, the sheriff, security guards, Paul. <laughs> Paul Blart Mall Cop. Oh yeah, all the mall cops. Paul Blart Mall Cop and the and Observe and Report. Uh, mall yeah, cop, the, the, the Seth, Seth Rogen, Rogen one. the Seth Rogen one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they all yeah, and they all get together to find marijuana car- caruana. And February sixth of nineteen eighty seven, a couple years later, they raided his house, um, and they found the an ID of the name. Uh, uh, they found an ID with the alias John Michael Hurley, and also they found his. Uh, also, they found a place with that was under that name, but by the time they showed up, he had already cleared out. He was also super savvy with technology, and he would use computer technology to communicate with his wife back and forth. And um, the computer bulletin board system is how he would do it, which is crazy because this is what we're doing right now. What? He knew how to do it, communicating through a computer. Oh, dude, that's true. I never thought about what, that. Way more high tech than he ever was. Salvatore. Well, at least at the time of 1989. Salvatore Caruana, you were ahead of your time, man. He was. He was. He was, uh, he was communicating through his wife through a built-in board system, which I guess he would just put up like bulletins and somehow sneak messages in. Smoke signals. They were coded, so she would have to decipher them. <laughs> it's, it's pretty clever, but it shows him on this sweet old computer. Um, that he was using DOS. <laughs> so they track him to a motor inn in Groton, Connecticut, right? 
Yeah. And uh, because they found they were they had a suspicion that he was under the name Vincent Spirito. What a name. That's a good one. That's a good one, right? <laughs> what a name indeed. Because they found evidence of that name and because the hotel had given him a description and had said, yes, that name, someone's staying here under that name, they were able to get a search warrant. And when they get there, when they jumped in there, he was gone. But it looked like he had just left to go get the paper or something until they kind of looked and noticed that, like, the food was, like, kind of gross and rotted. Old. Yeah, it had been, like, spoiled. And they found they found the Michael Hurley, the John Michael Hurley ID. And a shotgun. And a twenty two, a semi-automatic twenty two. There's also cash, and the, I, I think that was all in a briefcase. Um, so, yeah, so he had been gone for a while. And also, apparently, this scene looked uh, to be a mob hit. I don't know what made them think that. Maybe just because it looked like he was still living there. Maybe. But just but but then they was think it, but then was they, there blood? Like I don't understand. Yeah, the thing they don't think of, that's why they don't think it was a mob hit as well is because what you know, they would have left the body. Well, they also found his vehicle and it was all wiped clean. Yeah, yeah the van turned up at an impound. It was scrubbed. Yeah, it was like disinfected clean, disinfected clean. Um they also want you to know that he was like 6 feet and 175 pounds and he was a licensed pilot. And a really cool technical computer guy. Uh, he was dead during this whole... He's been dead. He's dead. You think he's dead? I know he's dead. Because of the internet. Oh, what did you find out? No. Actually, we don't know, really. We don't know no. if if uh, Vincent Sprito or John Michael Hurley or uh, Mr. Marijuana Caruana himself, Salvatore Caruana, is alive or dead. So For in- sure. In October of 1990, the remains of three men were found buried underneath a garage in Hamden, Connecticut. One of the bodies was positively identified by uh, or identified as Theodore Theodore Burns, an associate of uh, Caruana. But there, um, there have been uh, sources claiming that Caruana is also one of the two bodies that were also discovered. They weren't identified, oh. um, but. They, it is suspected um, possible uh, that it, it it could be him. And the reason why they say that, it, it goes into here saying that, you know, um, Caruana had Theodore killed because he discovered that while he was on the run, Theodore was having an affair with Caruana's wife. Ooh. Juicy. That's some juicy stuff. And then in 1989, right before uh, another associate of Caruana, uh, Garasso, uh, right before he passed away, he had said that, you know, that uh, Caruana's body is in that garage and that he had him killed. But uh, to this day, he's still listed as a fugitive because no body, no death. Interesting. So we never will ever really, really know no, we won't. if marijuana, Caruana. Um, I'm sure he's dead now, but. I, no, I mean, he was 50. Not totally out of the yeah, no, that's norm what I'm that he would he still be, be around. but He could be living it up somewhere, drinking up some uh, Mai Tais. Yeah. He'd be pretty old now, but, I mean, shit. Once you're marijuana caruana, you're always marijuana caruana. Yeah. So I just <laughs> wanted to sneak that in as much as I can. <laughs> oh, marijuana caruana. Um, yeah, I think he... I think he's sleeping with the fishes. 
or I guess if what you're saying is right, he's sleeping with the uh, under the porch. <laughs> he's sleeping under the porch. He's sleeping uh, under under. Porch. He's under the oil pan now. And that's it. Good night, guys. All right. See you later. Good night. <laughs> um, as always, we're the Stack Pack on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, you can find us separately if you want. I'm at Davy Howe, D-A-V-Y-H-O-W. Road underscore Dan. Big Bad Vinyl Dan. And uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, do you know what's you want to Yeah, do? yeah. Next week we have a nice little special, World War II Mystery. Uh, we're going to be talking about a conspiracy that I've never actually heard about uh, regarding oh, cool. uh, Adolf Hitler's second in command. So, come oh, on. Okay. That'll be fun. All right, guys. For every mystery, there's someone somewhere who knows the truth. Perhaps that someone is listening, and perhaps that someone is you. See you next week. Bye. Ciao.